Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church New Bern podcast. My name is Paul Scott Chernitsky. I am your host, and I am flying solo today. A different episode, we wanted to share a little bit from Lily's presentation during the Sunday School special that was yesterday. Uh, Lily shared a refugee story. Uh, She shared a story of fleeing her homeland in Suriname at the age of 12 and spending six years moving to three other countries before finally settling in the United States and eventually settling here in New Bern. So we'll give you a little bit of that, but in a couple of days, that whole presentation will be on First Prez's YouTube. So if you want to watch it or if you missed it, uh, go there to check it out. Just a reminder that the longest night service is Thursday, December 21st at 7 p.m. And then looking ahead to Christmas Eve, there are normal services in the morning and a family service at 5 p.m. with candlelight. That's usually very crowded. And also another service at 7 p.m. with communion and also candlelight. So candlelight at both of them. Probably the 5 o'clock will be more crowded. Last year it was standing room only. So um, yeah, come to one, come to all, and uh, enjoy this little bit from Lily, and be sure to check out the YouTube. Uh, Following Lily is the sermon from yesterday. So everyone, we hope you have a great week, and uh, Anna and I will talk to you next week. Thank you all for coming um, and um, for listening. Uh, I am dressed the way I am in honor of my grandmother, Boxerpina, number JJ355. An indentured slave moved from Indonesia to work for the colonists in Suriname. So this is my kabaya, this is my sarong, and when I discovered my grandmother, I decided to give her a place in our family. I was born as Lily Juta. At age 24, I took my husband's name of Kruchmar, K-R-C-M-A-R. Although respectable, a liability of its spelling causing much confusion. (laughs) Now that I'm older, I'm known around here as Mr. Kruchmar's mother. <laughs> I guess still respectable. However, my name is not my identity who I am. I am a product of colonialism, which shaped the first 17 years of my life. Since my experience is based on Dutch colonialism, I'll start my story with Suriname, where I was born, 
a small country nestled in the Amazon. Let us pray. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us in the waiting, the watching, the hoping, the longing, the sorrow, the sighing, and the rejoicing. Speak to us by your word in these Advent days, and walk with us until the day of your coming. Amen. Our scripture for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter starting with the 26th verse. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you have already heard, it is the third Sunday of Advent, Joy Sunday. Gaudate Sunday, it's a word which at its Latin roots means rejoice. This is a Sunday when we emphasize joy, not happiness, which is a different thing, but joy. That deep, faithful sense of gratitude and hope. It doesn't deny the sorrow or lament of the world, but true faithful joy walks alongside of all that happens in real life. It walks hand in hand with it. Now, generations and generations ago, the season of Advent was more like the season of Lent. In fact, it's often been called a little Lent. It was a time of fasting and repentance and prayer. And Joy Sunday was begun, the candle that was lit, it was different, because this was a day when the restrictions and the fasting were lessened. You were freed from some of the restrictions that you experienced during the season of Advent. These days, when we don't so much do fasting during Advent, 
This is the time when we start to begin that turn, that turn towards Bethlehem. We move away from the stories of John the Baptist and the prophets, and we begin to welcome and hear about Mary and Gabriel and Joseph. Today, the words of Gabriel to Mary that very soon will lead the angels to proclaim to the shepherds, there is good news of great joy for all people. Now this encounter, this encounter between Gabriel and Mary is one of the most treasured in all of scripture. Throughout the centuries, artists and poets and musicians have been drawn to this. There are so many different versions and images and melodies and harmonies dedicated to these moments. One of my favorites is from the modern poet Stephen Mitchell. He writes, he tiptoes into the room almost as if he were an intruder, then kneels soundlessly. His white robe arranges itself. His breath slows, his muscles relax. The lily in his hand tilts gradually backward and comes to rest against his right shoulder. She is sitting near the window, doing nothing, unaware of his presence. How beautiful she is. He gazes at her as a man might gaze at his beloved wife sleeping beside him. With all the concerns of the day gone, and her face is pure and luminous as a child's, and nothing now binding them together but the sound of her breathing. Ah, wasn't there something he was supposed to say? He feels the whisper far back in his mind like a mild breeze. Yes, yes, he will remember the message in a little while, in a few more minutes but not just now. When I think of Mary being greeted by Gabriel, this is how I usually think of her, calm and serene and mature and gracious. But I wonder if that's fair to her. Because after all, she was a 14-year-old girl who no doubt had prayers and hopes and dreams for her own life. And I suspect none of those prayers or hopes or dreams involved becoming pregnant before she got married and giving birth to the Son of God. Now we know that out-of-wedlock pregnancies have been around, well, forever. But we also know that in Mary's time, the consequences for that were far more serious. If Joseph did not stand by her, if he refused to believe what she told him, she could be out on the streets, and her entire life she would have to rely on the goodwill of others simply to survive. And we know that while Jesus is divine, Mary is human. She had human frailties and limitations. And so I wonder if that calm and serene image of Mary is fair to her, what she must have thought when this news first came her way. Think about what you might do if this were your daughter or sister or friend, and they told you what was going on. Would there not be at least a part of you who would bring a bit of skepticism to this story, who would want to warn her about what might happen if she says yes to this angel? What if Mary hadn't said yes? 
Madeline Alingle writes that there is a legend that Mary was not the first young woman that the angel approached, but she was the first one to say yes. And she writes that how unsurprising it would be for a 14-year-old girl to be disbelieving or to be tempted to refuse the angel to say something like, are you sure you mean me? But I'm unworthy and I couldn't anyway, I'd be too afraid. It's really inconceivable what you're asking me. I mean, I know it's a great honor, but wouldn't it upset them all? I mean, our parents, they're very proper. Do I have to answer now? I mean, I don't want to say no, but I need some time to think about it. This is a big commitment. I need to talk to my parents. And I should ask, well, just give me a few days to think it over. Sorrowfully, Lingle concludes, although he was not surprised to have it happen again, the angel returned to heaven. It might have been that way, but it wasn't because Mary said yes, and she said more than yes. She said, let it be with me according to your word. Mary didn't just say yes to Gabriel, she said yes to God, yes to God's plans for her life over her own plans, yes to God's vision of the world that was going to turn the world upside down. Yes, it was going to be in a good way, upside down for justice and hope and freedom. But that's still upside down. But Mary said yes. Yes, she wanted what God wanted more than what she wanted. And that's a powerful yes. Now, I talk a lot about doubts and how church is the place for them. It absolutely is. We talk about the importance of saying no to the things that don't have your name on them. We welcome questions and inquiries and wonderings because after all, if a faith cannot sustain questions and inquiries and wonderings, is it really a sustaining faith? I believe all of those things. But I also know that we are here and Mary reminds us this day that all of these things come into being because she says yes. What was Mary thinking? I'm not sure I like that question. I think a better one might be, what was Mary believing? Was she believing that the power of God is the only power that can truly change the world, truly change our hearts? Truly help us to want what God wants more than what we want? Seeking God's vision more than we seek our own vision? That's what Mary chose when she said yes. And that's what we are invited to choose when we say yes to God. Unlike Jonah, who runs the other way when God calls him, Unlike Jacob, who wrestles through the night, or Sarah, who thinks that she needs to help God move along the plan, here is Mary teaching us what can happen when we say yes. Yes. And know that it changes everything, because God's ways are not our ways. 
As we are told in scripture about the coming of God, every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. That's what saying yes to God does. Mary sings about that vision too, about a world of abundance and justice, a world without hunger or hatred or despair. And it seems a little unreal, to be honest with you. It seems pretty distant. It's hard to grasp. Well, that's when we go back to the words of Gabriel, who reminds us that nothing, nothing is impossible with God. And that's what we embrace when we say yes. Yes, let it be with me according to your word. Elizabeth Rooney describes this moment with these words. There was, is, has been, and will be, and everywhere, fixed and transfixed within one point in time, wherein one single, simple, open soul received the potency of the creative whole. The potency of the creative whole. That's what Mary's yes is all about. And the yes we are invited to embrace. Where have you said yes to God in your own life? And what difference has it made? And where is God calling forth a yes from you right now? Where is God calling a yes from us right now? And what possibilities are we being invited to dream that without God would never be possible? As Walter Brueggemann, along with Mary, remind us this day, Advent is a time for relinquishing some of the control in order to receive the impossible from God. Yes, let it be with me according to thy word. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, as we turn towards Bethlehem, know that wherever you go and whatever you do, you are God's beloved children. And may Mary's yes, let it be with me according to thy word, not only be Mary's. May that be our response too. Alleluia. Amen.